This morning, as we share a little bit of time uh, in God's Word, we are in Acts chapter ten. Uh, it, it is it is a passage that has uh, quite a bit of uh, challenge in it, um, <clears throat> in that the Lord asked Peter to do something that, according to Jewish law, Peter was not supposed to do, and yet the Lord shows up and says to him. Peter, I want you to go and do thus and such. Also, interestingly, in the passage, we read about how God prepares both sides of the equation. Uh, We have uh, uh, Cornelius being prepared. He is uh, what what I believe. There's a couple different philosophies. Uh, One was that he was following, chasing the Roman gods, or the second, which is 
and the one that I believe is the second one here, is that he uh, was uh, uh, Jewish in practice, uh, although probably not Jewish in his heritage, his lineage, his ethnicity, but a convert to Judaism and uh, practicing and seeking after God. So God prepares Cornelius. Uh, God has to prepare Peter because Peter will be sent to the Gentiles. And even though he, in following Jesus, would have gone to the Gentiles uh, when they went through Samaria, specifically John chapter 4, the woman at the well I'm thinking of, uh, he would have seen that witness of Jesus. And even in the Great Commission itself, that the gospel was to go to every tribe, tongue, and language uh, on the earth. Uh, therefore, as you go and make disciples of all nations. So, I mean, even in the Great Commission, Peter was instructed, and yet his view limited him to focusing just at, up until this point largely on the, the Jewish population, those of Jewish heritage. So God had to prepare him, and we read about that yesterday here in this, uh, in this passage uh, in Acts chapter 10. Let me just give you the, the headings up here so you can see the headings at least and uh, understand a little bit more of, of what is going on here. Uh, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, uh, who was part of the Italian regiment. We know that there were two regiments, and he was part of one of those. We know from verse 2, he and his family were devout and God-fearing, gave generously to those in need, and prayed to God regularly. And we believe it is uh, the Jewish God, the only God, the true God, Yahweh, to whom he was praying, although another philosophy would be that he was praying to the Roman gods. Um, some would say that. Some commentators even would say that. But I, I think the text lends itself to praying to the, the God of the Hebrews, um, he sees this vision. He gets very, very, very specific instructions down through, uh, down through verse eight. Uh, and as he sends people, we move down in the text to Peter's vision. Uh, the very next day, uh, Peter has this vision, and it's very interesting. I, I brought out yesterday uh, a loud voice said, Peter, uh, get up, eat, and kill. And he says, surely not, Lord. And, and this is, he is, uh, Peter has uh, mouthed those words, voiced those words again uh, earlier, uh, prior uh, to Jesus when Jesus was talking about his uh, crucifixion. And he said, surely not, Lord, to the Lord. So this is the second time he's saying this. He says, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, just a little interesting side note here. Peter's saying, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. But what about other things? Uh, there, there's one of our small groups uh, in our church, Brassy Chapel, um, just finished a study up a few weeks ago uh, of um, called Respectable Sins. Uh, and Peter may have not committed the big sins, as it were, um, but likely was committing the small sins. And uh, we we like to give ourselves a pass on lots of things. Um, 
I have never done that type of thing, Lord, he says. And yet uh, there are lots of other things that likely he did do, and uh, yet he he wants to have a big hang-up on this. And, and there, how many people are like that? I mean, this, this is uh, something that uh, the Lord really challenged the Pharisees on. I mean, they, they did the big things, but the more important things of relationship or of love for people, care for people, concern for people, became... Uh, Went slid further down the the the, uh, the ladder in terms of level of importance down the scale, and uh, yet that was the most important thing is people and love for people and compassion for people and mercy for people and justice for people, uh, and we we can do this a lot too. Well, I never said a bad word, or my lips never touched alcohol. Um, or, you know, I've never smoked anything or all these different things that we want to get out and pride ourselves on. Friends, even making that statement is a self-righteous, pompous, arrogant attitude to have. Really is. And self-righteousness stinks worse than chicken manure. And we, in this, these parts, uh, 30 years ago, knew all about chicken manure. Lancaster County, Pennsylvania knows about chicken manure and what the stench can be. That's the way our self-righteousness can be. We just need to say we are what we are by the grace of God, except for the grace of God, there go I. Uh, and Peter's kind of saying, well, I've never eaten those types of things before. And uh, I'll say good morning to Christy over on the YouTube side here this morning as I'm talking, just noting that she has popped into uh, YouTube over there. Um. So verse 14, back to verse 14, and Peter says, Surely not, Lord, I've never eaten anything impure or, unkind, uh, impure or unclean. Uh, and then verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time, Do you not uh, do not call anything impure that God has made clean? What God makes clean is clean. And Paul, uh, Paul even talks about that very type of thing. Um, in his letter to Timothy, I can't give you the exact address right now, but there are things that when God makes something clean, we receive it with gladness and acknowledge that he is the one that made it, made it clean. And notice in verse 16, it took three times immediately uh, the sheet was taken back to heaven. Why three times? Think about uh, Peter again. How many times did Jesus say Peter would deny him? Before the rooster crowed, three times. Interesting here, it took three times for uh, Peter to uh, finally give in to the lesson that was being given. It wasn't just, oh, okay, Lord, yep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're like that too, aren't we? Sometimes we're rather slow to respond to the Lord as he is prompting us about something and... Um, Certainly, he's prompting us about uh, about um, about how we live our lives, and there might be other things he's prompting us about. And let's not be like Peter and say, "Surely not, Lord," as we read in verse fourteen. Um, we know from yesterday. I don't want to go back and recount. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that. Um, 
Uh, Walter's asking a question here, and I got to come back to this question because I think it's a good question. Uh, uh, Peter is prepared to go to Cornelius. Cornelius has been prepared. Both are prepared. We know that Cornelius, as instructed by the Lord, sent people to find Peter, who was in, uh, I think he was in Joppa. He was in Joppa. Uh, we know that uh, Cornelius went and found him, uh, had people go and find him, and uh, Cornelius, uh, is he in Joppa? Yeah, he was in Joppa. It's up up earlier in the text. I couldn't remember. Just wanted to make sure because we also talked about uh, Caesarea Maritima yesterday as well. Um, but it took three times. Peter finally becomes convinced. The men told Peter that uh, uh, that they were sent by Cornelius. Uh, and then we read yesterday also about Cornelius inviting a bunch of people. We talked about the oikos. Uh, we've talked about the oikos before. We talked about how he invited a bunch of people in to hear the message. Uh, I gave the challenge, what if? What if we got away from just doing our church the way that we always do it? And what if What if some of us would say, I, I want to invite people to my home to hear the gospel and uh, have a barbecue, have a dessert, have something, and invite some friends and say, look, I, I want you to hear somebody. And I, the message that mean, means so very much to me. We're gonna. It's a barbecue. It's dessert. But I've asked this person to come and speak for fifteen minutes. If you'll indulge me to allow this person to speak for fifteen minutes, uh, that, that that could be a setup to having an ongoing Bible study in your home. Uh, there's there's a wonderful study that has been used around the world called the Alpha Study. Now, some people get kind of. Uh, uncomfortable when it gets to to their discussion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I will tell you that it's a study that's been used widely around the world. It's an evangelistic study to answer questions. 13 weeks, it's to answer questions about the Christian faith. Maybe it's time something else is written. I don't know, uh, Alpha 2 or something like that, um, or Alpha Omega, something. But it's a study intended for evangelistic study in a home. And Perhaps some of you would become like Cornelius and would say, I will invite people into my home uh, where they can hear the message. And that's exactly what happened here. Uh, and so Peter went, he he, uh, he declares the message, and that's where we left off in verse 34. We're going to pick up at verse 34 here momentarily, but first I want to look at a few comments that are here. Uh, Regala, uh, sharing, please pray for me. I'm in the hospital. I'm having abdominal pain. Please pray for my health. Doctor said there was a uterus clot in the womb. We need to do an operation immediately, operation cost. So pray for my health. I'm a very prayerful person in God's ministry with my husband. So, Lord, we do want to pray uh, for this sister uh, and her situation there in India. Uh, and, and India is is an interesting country, Lord, and you know this already. There are places where they have vast technology and places where they don't. So we pray that you would provide the needs. There are 
lots of believers there in India, and we pray that together they would uh, band together uh, around their sister uh, and our sister to meet her needs. Uh, And Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, minister to her physically, minister to their needs, what they need. Uh, Father, work through the believers there uh, locally to to bring ministry, to bring aid. Uh, and Lord, work work in her behalf, in behalf of her husband, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, Walter asked the question. God was telling Peter to give up the Old Testament way. So let me put this up here uh, so you can see it. Uh, and, and here it is. Uh, the way of faith. It's a question. He says the Old Testament way of looking at faith, the do's and the don'ts. Well, the Old Testament law was set up and was established so that uh, uh, so that um, so that we would understand our sin. Uh, so that we would understand uh, our need of a savior, so to understand that we couldn't do it. Now, the reality is that if someone could have lived life perfectly according to the law, perfectly from birth on, they they wouldn't need Jesus. But the fact is, nobody lives it perfectly, and so we all need Jesus. That that is the reality. And uh, Paul calls it a schoolmaster, showing us our need of a savior, and. Uh, it instructs us, and yet it's interesting to know, and this this is an area where there are aspects of the Old Testament, especially uh, ceremonial practices that are fulfilled in Jesus and therefore are set aside. I mean, there's no need, no longer the need of, um, no longer the need of the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Uh, or birds, uh, because Jesus is that final sacrifice. He is finally, once and for all, taken care of sin uh, by the shedding of his own blood. And so we don't need those practices anymore. And there are many other ceremonial laws uh, which which really are set aside now uh, because... Uh, and Paul writes vastly about this because they were only a foreshadow pointing toward what was to come and which has now been fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, and as is being said here, the law shows us that we're sinners. This is Claire because we uh, because we cannot do all of them. And we don't. We, we, we fail, and so we need a Savior. And ceremonial foods, this is one of these areas. Now, some people do think, and I have a very dear friend that that doesn't eat pork and hot dogs and bacon and things like that, Uh, and not so much because of a a conviction spiritually or biblically or religiously, uh, but because uh, he believes that the Lord gave a preclusion to those things in the law because the Lord knew it was not good for us to to eat those things. And that, that's his view. Me, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I like bacon. 
Uh, uh, yesterday, I was at our local grocery store, Hannaford's, and they had pork tenderloins, five seventy nine or five ninety nine for a whole tenderloin. I got a couple of them, put them in the, uh, put them in the one in the fridge, one in the freezer, uh, because the price was so good. Chicken legs and thighs and things, uh, uh, ninety nine cents a pound. Anyway, eat chicken. We eat. Uh, we eat pork, uh, but yet in the law, you weren't you weren't supposed to eat lobster. You weren't supposed to eat shellfish, according to law. Um, and now, again, my friend has this thought about, you know, the Lord said this because he knew it wasn't good for us. In this instance, what we've read in this passage, the Lord has said to Paul, we're putting these things, not to Paul, to Peter, we're putting these things aside. I have a message. I want you, and he, it's really an illustration. He's not saying, hey, start eating all these foods and enjoy necessarily, but the, the point is he's illustrating the fact that even though the Jews for millennia had called Gentiles impure and unclean, now the Lord is is changing that to say the Gentiles are to be a part of the family. So let's pick up at verse 34 and see if we can't quickly finish this text. Peter's in the house. Uh, they have uh, assembled a uh, a crowd of people. Peter again speaks. Says, "Now I, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right." You know the message God. Now the fact it brings out doing what is right. Some people say, "Just have faith. It doesn't matter how you live." Well. That's not true. And even, even Peter is saying that here, it does matter how we live. We are still called to, to do right and righteously. Verse 36, you know the message God has sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and that was at the baptism, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, which is still the country of the Jews. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now, it says he, he wasn't seen by all people. He didn't go out and make a public spectacle. That is what is being said here. He largely just communicated with the disciples, and not only 12, but up to over 500 at one time. Um, verse 42 says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So my question is this. Have you believed on him? Now, I'm going to go down a little bit of a, a trail here for just a moment. I just want to, to suggest something to us. I, I heard a podcast yesterday or the day before I listened to a podcast, um, 
And the comment was made, and I I don't disagree with his comment. Uh, we, we we have had uh, several decades now where what we do is try to get people to pray a prayer. Um, and it was suggested, let's stop trying to get people to pray prayers and get them to follow Jesus. Um, there's still the necessity. John 1.12 is still real. For as many as receive him to those who believe in his name, uh, he's given them the right to be called children of God. Uh, are we leading people to belief? Uh, are we leading people to followership? Are we leading people to say, Jesus, I take you into my life that I may follow you? And that was the point being made. It was on the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. That is that is an advertisement for another podcast, the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. Very well worth listening to. And I don't disagree. I We have said, let's get people to pray prayers so that they can go to heaven someday. And we're not concerned about them following Jesus. Jesus is concerned about people following Jesus. So we should also be concerned that we follow Jesus and that we help other people follow Jesus. But yet verse 43 is, is a statement. All the prophets testify about him. Everyone who believes in him and re- believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. I mean, do we do we want do we want just heaven or do we want forgiveness? Uh, do we want just heaven someday or do we want the, the, the knowledge of God today? Jesus was looking not just for people to believe in him that they may go to heaven someday. He was looking for people who would yield their lives to him today. That is the Christian life. He was looking for those who would be followers. Uh, and and I believe the message, uh, I believe it was Lewis Perry Schaefer who said, uh, who wrote about easy believism. And I think we have that issue in our day. You know, get get someone to pray a prayer and it's all good. Well, no, uh, it's all about discipling people uh, to, to walk with Jesus. First John 2, 6, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And if you don't, then maybe you're just actually not living in him. Now, what is the result of this message that Peter preaches? He preaches the message, says all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, let's finish this out. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Friends, that's how you should be praying for your church every weekend. That, that, the, that the message of the gospel would fall with the power of the Holy Spirit and cause people to believe in Jesus. We should long for that. We should look for that. We should work toward that, that people would believe in Jesus. Now, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. I mean, I think the Jewish believers are thinking, hey, we're going to get something special that the Gentiles don't know. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. It says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. 
I, I may come back tomorrow and possibly and talk a little bit more about baptism and membership and and some of those things and some of the things I learned this last weekend at the Spurgeon Conference. It was very insightful, actually, and I've been around ministry for a long time and gained some great, great insights. Um, there was the need, I mean, they received the Holy Spirit. Anyone who believes in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. Now, some would take a verse like uh, verse 46 and say, unless you speak in tongues, uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's that's what what's happening here. I, I think the, the tongues were an evidence here in the book of Acts that the Gentiles also got the Holy Spirit. I mean, how, how can you see the Holy Spirit in someone? There needed to be some type of uh, effectual act, and uh, we think that uh, in this section of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentile believers in this way to substantiate to the Jewish believers that everyone gets the Holy Spirit. That's my thought on it, and uh, I don't think that there is a, a, a necessary second subsequent work of the Spirit. I I, I think in our day, it uh, regeneration happens, uh, the true work of conversion being uh, being brought into the family of God happens the moment that, that we legitimately, truly, with genuine faith, trust in Christ, and uh, we're given the Holy Spirit at that point. We're sealed for all eternity. And and I don't personally, now some have a theology that says uh, there's a, a second uh, uh, work of the Spirit that enables you to speak with tongues. I've never spoken with tongues in forty, almost forty-three years as a believer in Jesus. I don't feel like I'm missing anything, but yet I will tell you, I long for the work of the Spirit in my life, uh, and, and you should too. To to long for the Spirit to work in your life that you might help people grow as followers of Jesus. It's called disciple making, and uh, I, I just want to encourage you to think about this. Baptism. I'm going to come back and deal with that tomorrow because I'm already out of time for today. Uh, we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit tomorrow. We'll talk more about baptism tomorrow. Then we'll push into uh, Acts chapter 11. Friends, may you today have that desire to be yielded to the Spirit of God. May you today be used of Jesus to, to point somebody else to Jesus whether it's a believer that you're strengthening. I mean, one of our, and we're, we're changing our mission statement up. The old mission statement of our church said basically, uh, you know, our purpose is to connect others to Christ. Believers, we should connect one another to Christ. Non-believers, we should connect them uh, uh, to Christ. We need to connect people to Christ, believers, non-believers alike. Lord, help us to live in you and for you today. Use us, Lord, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. See you tomorrow.